You're listening to City Church Long Beach Sermons Podcast. You can visit us at citychurchlongbeach.org. So, welcome. I am Bill White. I am one of the co-pastors here at City Church of Long Beach, and we want to say welcome. Super glad you're here, especially on what we call one of our high holy days, which is Taco Sunday, right? We believe that this is kind of a secret. We don't, we don't tell a lot of other people because we feel like it's our privilege to have this secret information, but we actually know that God's favorite food is tacos, and so that we celebrate together. So super glad you're here. Uh, we are a radically welcoming community on the journey towards Jesus, joining him in the renewal of all things. Uh, that's what we're all about as a church, and we're glad to be in it together. Um, we are still working on our projector, which blew up about a month ago. And so soon, we made real progress this morning, and soon it'll be up and running. Until then, we're going to be continuing to use our, uh, our lyrics and stuff on the, on the digital handout. So you can get that from our webpage if you need it. And I forgot to say hello, Zoom. Hello, Zoom people. I don't know. You can probably smell the tacos from there. I don't know. They're pretty good. They smell pretty good. But just want to say welcome. We're glad you're with us today also. Um, we like to pray over our kids. We think kids are really important. And so Julie Morales... Uh, come on up. Jamie Morales. Oh my gosh, why did I call you the wrong name? Whatever. She's flexible. She has lots of names. Jamie's going to pray for our kids. Thanks, Bob. (laughs) Good morning, God. We are full to bursting this morning with gratitude to be here. We are so thankful for this beautiful weather for our opportunity to grow and share today in the gospel and to have our spirits lifted to recharge for this week. At this time, we want to ask a special blessing on these children. So many children here today, special and unique, loud and crazy, sweet, insightful and wise. Uh, Please bless them that they can play, that they can feel joy and love in the safety here and that they can take that out to the communities of Long Beach that surround us. We want to ask a special blessing on the teachers and students here at Lafayette, uh, that they'll be watched over and protected, that this can be a place of peace and safety for so many, Um, and extending that out into the community of Long Beach. Let these children be examples um, to those around them. Please give them opportunities to serve others, to be those little examples. Um, We ask a special blessing on our queer kids and those struggling, especially as it's Suicide Prevention Awareness Month. Um, Let them know that tomorrow needs them. And we say these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much, kiddos. If you would like to go with Jamie and her crew, there are jumpers outside and all kinds of good fun stuff. So, and if you would welcome up our other fearless co-pastor, Brenna Rubio. Have fun. Hey, everyone. Uh, Oh, it is super fun to be here. Look at those kids, would you? Is that just so fun? I think they might be excited about the bouncers. It is possible. Um, So today we are officially launching a new sermon series, and we're we're looking at the book of Jonah. And in particular today, we are talking about unmet expectations. And what do we do when God doesn't 
do what we think God should do. And what do we do when pastors and religious leaders and other people don't do what they're supposed to do? Mm. And what do we do when we don't do what we're supposed to do? And how do we handle that? Um, and so we're looking at the book of Jonah, and there's just a lot of, it's, it's one big story. And just a reminder um, for some folks who may not have been here last week, but Brenna kind of oriented us and reminded us that Jonah falls in the category of satire, all right, where it's like you're poking fun at things in order to make a point, mm -hmm. okay? Um, and so that's, that's how this story fits into the whole, and we'll get to the big fish um, in, uh, in a couple of weeks, and we'll have a very fun time with that, but... Uh, we get to, to lean in here today, and even in these first three verses that we're going to read today, um, there's this expectation that, you know, something wonderful and glorious is going to happen because it starts with these words, right? The, Lord, the word of the Lord came to Jonah. And that's this, it's like this meme that gets played out a lot in, in the Hebrew scriptures and it always signifies something big and powerful, something really great and fun. Except in the first three verses, it's the opposite. <laughs> and we may not get that because some of us, we're not very familiar with this story, but we'll unpack it, how it kind of turns, uh, kind of the story is going to turn it all on its head. So Arturo Macias is going to read scripture for us. If you would welcome Arturo. reading from the book of Jonah, chapter 1, verses 1 through 3. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amittai. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it, because I have seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction to get away from the Lord. He went down to the port of Joppa, where he found a ship leaving for Tarshish. He bought a ticket and he went on board, hoping to escape from the Lord by sailing to Tarshish. People of God, this is the word of God. Thanks be to God. Maybe, yeah, thanks so much, buddy. Appreciate you. We'll get, we'll put you back up here in a bit. Arturo has agreed to share a little bit of his story today, so that's gonna be fun. That's awesome. Um, this is exactly the type of sermon that we love to preach here at City Church, right? But I mean, this is the way to start a sermon series. Uh, you know, a prophecy of judgment and doom. We're all about that. Right? I mean, we have people all the time, like, like, well, not all the time, but pretty frequently, like, so tell, you about, tell us about this. Like, you know, do you say that so-and-so is going to hell? Ooh, man, actually, we don't have those conversations a whole lot around here at City Church. That's just not our, like, point of entry into the religious life, into spirituality. Who is doomed to damnation and judgment? But hey, good thing we're reading a book where that's exactly how it starts, right? So <laughs> the original readers of this book, or listeners of this book, because of course much of this might have been uh, at, at this particular time, some of it would have been proclaimed, read out loud in public, and people would have been listening to the story of Jonah as opposed to reading it for themselves. Um, generally speaking, when this meme started, the Lord gave this message 
too. They had certain expectations about what words were going to follow. That's what Bill is telling us. And, and so there are ways that, like, we might not get it as much this morning because we're not sure what the meme is. It's like, I don't know if I'm slow, but a lot of times I have to see a meme go through my social media 10, 20 times before I'm like, oh, that's why there's the girlfriend and the guy looking and, like, you, can, you know which one, right? It takes me a little while to, like, figure out what is going on here. Why is this funny? Okay, that could just be me. I don't have a great sense of humor. So there are things here today that, like, we're not going to completely get in the same way, that we actually have to explain the joke, and I'm sorry because that makes the joke less funny. Always does when you have to explain the joke. But the joke here, part of it, is that usually when the words start, the Lord gave this message to, the message is supposed to be for us. It's supposed to be about how God is on our side because we have this special relationship with God. That's the expectation. God's on our team, right? And so the, the idea that this message is for the people of Nineveh, very much the opposing team, the people that we don't like, the enemy, it, it was kind of less exciting. It was like, but it was startling. It definitely got people's attention because here we are, we're, we're Israel, right? And there over there are these proud, wealthy, immoral people. Because Nineveh is a great city. It's a flourishing capital of the ancient Near East at this time, capital of the Assyrian Empire. Very much um, when we're talking about uh, this idea of the city of Nineveh, right, it's not like just a little town. It's more like, you know how it's kind of annoying, but sometimes people say Long Beach and they really hear like suburb of Los Angeles. You know what I'm talking about? Right? Like I say, oh, I'm from Los uh, Long Beach, and people don't get it. I'm like, it's near L.A. Oh, okay. All right. So annoying, people who don't live in California. Right? But this is, so Nineveh is a great big area. It's this sp sprawling metropolitan area for its time where all these different trade routes intersect. And, but it's the enemy. It's, it's the other team. Now, there's saving grace here. So while there is some surprise as this prophecy unfolds and it's not for the home team, at least it's a prophecy of judgment. Thank right? God for that. At least, right? At least God is saying, I'm going to go smite you and telling them how wicked they are. And, and so we can be, God is meeting our expectations, maybe we think in that moment, right? Because God hates all the same people that we do. You've heard that phrase, right? It's this classic quote from Anne Lamott, where she, she says, you can safely assume you've created God in your own image when it turns out that God hates all the same people that you do, <laughs> right? If God hates all your enemies, oh, it's possible you've got some stuff going on. But maybe that's what's happening here. The, the listeners are thinking, maybe God really is on our side still, because at least this message, while it's not for us, it's, it seems to be saying, all right, I'm going to go get you. I'm going to go get you. In fact, the language, it has these overtones of another big story in the Old Testament, one that some of you might have heard of before. It was God prophesying against the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah in the sense that, yeah, God, God will go and he will, he'll get the evil people. He'll take them down. Whew. Some of us might be feeling uncomfortable with that. I why, mean, is, why is that, Brenna? I mean, is, well, one, there's just a basic, like, do you want to follow that God? I mean, maybe it's okay if it's those people. 
there's also, to be honest, there's the overtones that for many of us here, what we know about this passage about Sodom and Gomorrah in particular is that it has been used as what we sometimes called a clobber passage against the LGBTQ community. This sense that the problem with Sodom and Gomorrah was that the people there were gay. So many people think that still today. Man, it's so convenient to think that instead of actually looking at what the scripture says about why God was upset with the people of Sodom and Gomorrah. In Ezekiel 16, it says, Now this was the sin of your sister Sodom. She and her daughters were arrogant, overfed, and unconcerned. They didn't help the poor and needy. Anybody hear queer folk mentioned there? No, right? This God was upset, but he was upset about their lack of love, especially for people who were less privileged, for people who were defenseless, people who were in need. So there is a prophecy of judgment here. Yes, I'm going to, I'm sorry, I'm going to give you a little spoiler, spoiler alert. It actually doesn't even happen. Just like with Sodom and Gomorrah, God seems to be saying, hey, something's going wrong here, and it upsets me. But later on in the story, when we see that Nineveh repents, when Nineveh says, oh my gosh, God, you're right. We got to fix this. We got to change some things about how we're acting. God forgives them. God says, yeah. And, and I'm not saying that completely wipes away any discomfort we have with this idea that God threatened judgment. But it is fascinating and comforting to see how God changes their mind. You can safely assume you created God in your own image when it turns out that God hates all the same people that you do. Sometimes God disappoints us by not smiting down our enemies. Sometimes it seems like God is not rushing in as quickly as we want when there is injustice and evil in the world. People like those, those people, and we all have them, those people that are clearly messed up and doing wrong. And we want them to be punished. And something that this passage just seems to, at the very beginning, be raising up is this idea that the world is actually more complicated than that, right? It's more complicated than just us versus them. It's more complicated than just the good guys and the bad guys, much as sometimes I wish it were that simple. That we actually seem to be seeing a God who loves everybody. And so our enemies are actually people that God loves wants to invite into transformation so they can experience mercy, wholeness in their lives. And uh, when we're so busy looking at all of the thems, sometimes we fail to notice what's going on in our own lives and where God might actually be trying to get our attention. It's disappointing. Yes, God has disappointed me in those ways many times. Um, so... Many times God doesn't do the things we want God to do. That's one set of unmet expectations we have to face. There, there's another set is what, what happens when other people don't do what we want them to do? Mm -hmm. 
Has anyone ever struggled with this? <laughs> right? I mean, no. this is like the story of my life. <laughs> um, gosh. So, so I want to think a little bit about Jonah. And he was supposed to be like this, you know, this great prophet, this holy man, right? But the, the people in his time, they would have kind of thought of Jonah in many ways, and, and particularly folks who read him afterwards, is sort of that he's kind of a cringeworthy. Because he, he was, if you look back in the, in the history books of the Old Testament in 2 Kings, Jonah comes forth and prophesies that, the, that one nation, Israel is broken into, into two nations. And he says, you know what? The northern people, which he just happened to be a part of, uh, we're better than the other people, and we're going to take you over soon. And we're going to take over all these other people. And it's sort of this nationalistic prophecy. Like, like make Israel great again. You know, like, we're going it, it's, to, it's all about my mm -hmm. people here. And it was, there, were, there was some cringing, I think, going on for folks. You're like, man, that's not... I'm not sure we're supposed to take sides quite like that. Mm -hmm. But maybe maybe God's at work in lots of different groups of people, and maybe God's at work in this part of the kingdom and in that part of the kingdom. And so what do we do, and I want to think about this for a second, particularly about religious leaders who don't meet our expectations? I anticipate, I mean, th this is City Church. City Church tends to be a little bit, um, you know, there are a lot of folks here who've had difficult relationships with church leaders in the past. Um, and and what, what do we do when those church leaders aren't saying things or doing things the way we want them to? What, what do we do when, when just other mortals do that. So I was, I was thinking about this some this weekend. Um, so in a church that I was on staff of before City Church, um, it was it was a really difficult place. There, there was so many great things there, and yet there were some aspects of the leadership where there were, there were a few of us who said, hey, we really believe in team leadership. And there were a few other folks uh, in leadership who said, we believe in a top-down structure of leadership. And so we, we had some very active conversations <laughs> about how churches should be led. And, and it turns out that, that there wasn't room for both of us. Hmm. And I was severely disappointed hmm. in my leaders. I was severely disappointed. I was, I was hurt. And to this day, so this is, this is years and years ago. I mean, we planted City Church. I mean, we've been here 10 years. It was longer than that. Still to this day, like, it's not quite fixed. Mm. It's not all better. And, you know, I'd like to be able to say, like, and so I forgave them and feel great. You know, and I have forgiven them like a thousand times, and they probably had to forgive me a thousand times. Yeah. But it's not all just great. There's still some hurt. There's not nearly like it was. But sometimes the, the process of 
dealing with people who let you down, it's, it's, it doesn't go as fast as you want. Mm. This is over 10 years. Like, really? Why can't I just climb? God, why can't you climb into my heart and help me just let it go and be totally free? A lot of times it's a journey. And sometimes it includes setting some boundaries mm-hmm. with those who've hurt you and said, hey, uh, you can go only to here and no more. I'm, I'm not going to share certain things with you or I'm not going to participate mm-hmm. with you in certain settings because I know that that will be more damaging to me. Mm. And sometimes they set boundaries with you because you've been the one that has disappointed them. It, it's super messy. Yeah. And for me, what, what is so encouraging to me is that this is actually what the, what the Bible talks about. It knows that you have messy relationships with other humans. And in particular, it knows that you've had messy relationships with spiritual leaders, with pastors. Well, you think Brent and I do it all right? I was about to say, <laughs> is it possible in like recent, I mean, we got it right. recent I mean, weeks, we've boom. had some, we've disappointed what? some people? You and me? What else? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. We might have had some conversations and maybe in the last week about how we have failed others. Mm-hmm. This, is, this is no surprise. So what are they going to do with their unmet expectations of us? Yeah. What are you going to do with that? And so I leave you here, not with a nice, neat answer, but inviting you on this journey. Mm. God, help us. Give us another shot at this. A guy named Rich Viotis says that God doesn't give up on them. That phrase, God doesn't give up on them might be the singular theme of the Bible from Genesis to Revelation. Mm. And maybe if God doesn't give up on them, maybe there's room for us, for God not to give up on us in this journey. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Um, I'm going to turn the AC on again. (laughs) AC's good, yeah, go ahead. While he's doing that, I'm going to say as well, I mean, I just have to say, whenever you touch on religious leaders disappointing people and as we do acknowledge like bill and i do it all the time we are limited flawed humans be human beings and we don't want to but we know we're going to end up disappointing you either some often because we mess up sometimes just because we all have our stuff and it's just helpful to talk it through like how all of our different things are interacting with each other Um, we actually love to invite people like we're open to those conversations we'd like to hear from you Right? We'd actually like the chance to sit and listen, to apologize if we need to, to learn. We'd like to be safe people that you can express disappointment with. So we experience disappointment with God. We experience disappointment with others, especially often spiritual leaders. And we experience disappointment with ourselves. Um, You know, this is one of the other just shocking things about this particular story is in the formula, you know, God said unto the prophet, the prophet's supposed to go do it, right? I mean, that's like, that's their profession. It's their job. God speaks, they listen. They carry the message to others. It's just what they're supposed to do. And in this story, we have this guy who listens and it's like, you can just, you can just tell. There's just sort of these wheels spinning in Jonah's head, and very, very quickly, 
I mean, there's just no gap. He just, boom. It's like he makes his calculation. Okay, let's say I went and I did this. I went all the way to Nineveh, into the, you know, to the enemy's lines, right? I go, I go into the heart of the city. I share my message. And if they reject it, I'm in big trouble, right? Because I'm behind enemy lines. And if they repent, well, how does that help me, <laughs> right? Like, I don't like them. Like, I don't like half my own people. This is Jonah, the make Israel great again guy. Right? He doesn't like half of his own people. What, what heart does he have for the people of Nineveh? He's the en- they're the enemy. Um, so he just, he doesn't do it. But some piece of him has to know, right, that he is making a mistake. We're going to see it later in the story. Um, he tells the people on the boat, yeah, I'm running away from God. I mean, Does anybody think that's going to go well? (laughs) Right? Like, I mean, it's God. He knows what he's doing is foolish. He knows God is God, and he's just little Jonah. And I just think, isn't that so human? It's just, it feels like it's, it's so often. I mean, I can, again, think just in my last week or two, the times that I mean, well, especially I'm, I'm the mother of four, for anyone who don't know that. So the times that, like, you know, you just get upset at your kids and things start coming out of your mouth. And you're like, that's what I said I'd never say. <laughs> and I'm doing it. And I can't seem to stop myself. We know sometimes that what we're doing, and it's so disappointing to not be the person that you know you're called to be. Even in these last few weeks, Think of the conversations I've had with some of you. And, and it, it's been multiple of you, so nobody feel like, oh, and she's singling me out, right? No, it's, again, it's just, I heard God tell me that years ago. And now I see who I've become, and I'm disappointed. And yet I still don't know how to say yes. I want to, but obviously I don't want to. I'm conflicted. I'm pulled in different directions. And I find myself like I've just navigated to this place I never thought I would be. And there's something comforting, I think, to kind of say, well, well, look, it's, it's kind of just like Jonah. Like this is actually often part of the story. You can still be on the journey with God while you're running away from God. That's weird, isn't it? Could you say that again? That was good. Yeah. You can still be on the journey with God while you're running away from God. While you're still in the midst of that tension. While you're doing what you know (laughs) is the wrong thing. While you are still experiencing the struggle. Every good story has struggle. It's not the last chapter, right? This is just the, the mounting action of the story. You're not sure how you're going to get turned around, but, but this is actually opportunity. Even while you're running away, God is actually getting your attention. It's actually not the end of the story. So uh, we have these unmet expectations of God, of others, of ourselves. Uh, what do we do with those? Brenna's going to make a nice, neat, tidy, just 
bring it, put a bow on it, right, in just a minute, I'm oh, sure. I'll solve all the problems. She'll, she'll nail that. But first, <laughs> we're going to just like, hey, this is kind of what it looks like for like some ordinary people. So Arturo, where are you? Did you run and hide or are you still here? No, come on up. <laughs> there he is. Welcome, Arturo, again. So uh, thanks for being willing to share, friend. And uh, and anything I say that you like don't want to answer, just say I don't want to answer that. Okay. Yeah, in case I'll I like, fifth. I'll take the fifth. Yeah, in case I like, start riffing or something. But uh, so so talk to us. Tell us how did you? When did you come to City Church? How long have you been here? I came to City Church at the beginning of this year, about February. So okay, eight months now. Okay, all right. And and why did you come? I came because after the pandemic, I realized the importance of community and connection and being around people of God. And so I started searching actively for a community just like this. Oh, all right, nice, okay. I bet there are probably some other folks who have that feeling, so good. Yeah. Um, so have you ever run away from God? And it's a nice, you know, you just bring someone up on stage and say, hey, tell us wow, like the worst thing you ever vulnerable. did. Nice subtle yeah. question. Just tell us the worst thing you ever did. Bill, I've run away from God many times. Yeah. Well, tell it, you, you told me this morning of kind of a right. kind of like 20 years. Was it like 20 years ago or something? Yeah, about 20 years ago, I was in a church. and. Um, did you grow up in church? I did not. I, well, I grew up Catholic, but I mm -hmm. uh, never knew what that meant, okay. all the saints. And then um, I joined an apostolic church. Oh. Uh, right. Was very involved on the board, served, choir, the whole nine okay. yards. Yeah. Yeah. And I was there about seven years. And then uh, I heard a sermon one day about... Uh, how gays and fags are going to hell. That word from the pulpit. Wow. Oh, wow. And I didn't, I was questioning my identity back then. I didn't know what was going on within myself, but I just felt that wasn't right. Yeah. And so I felt if there wasn't any hope for me, then what am I doing here and why am I mm. playing church? So, um, yeah. yeah, I resigned from all my positions and just left church and ah. ran from God. That's, <laughs> that's just, that's so terrible. I'm so oh. sorry. I mean, I just. That's a very common story. Lots I know, of people do that. I know. Yeah. So, but uh, the mm. encouraging word is that you can still be on a journey with God. Yeah. Even while you're running away from God. Yeah. And that summarizes exactly what I was doing. Oh. So I never felt like God left me. Oh. I just felt like there wasn't a community that could see me. Yeah. 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 Well, people had failed you, right? They, they're, ex you know, they didn't do. They weren't the holy leaders that you wanted them to be. They, I don't know. It's yes. Ah, right. They caused you pain. So, so are there other ways that you feel like you run away from God? Now, so now you're back. So that's 20 years ago, but you've been back in church for a while. I have been for the last nine years. Okay, nine years. And so, like, do you still run away from God, or you pretty much get it all nailed down? You know, down? I find it's in degrees, right? Like, we're always running from God when you feel like you know you should like reach out to someone or pray for someone or do something that you don't want to do. That's usually an indication that that's what you need to do yeah. when I don't want to do it. And I know that it's for the individual, for their blessing, for encouragement. So, so you yeah. still run away from God? I still run away from God. Um, oh, you got home. Brendan Can wants I to ask say a question? Yeah. I'm like, I know, I don't, I'm like, I'm interrupting the interview, but like, because it's because Bill, yeah, Bill brought up that um, great. This is called double teaming. Yeah. yeah. Well, you're just, fa I'm just, I'm fascinated over here, right? So I'm like, oh. Bill brought up that point. Okay, so when religious leaders disappoint you, which, I mean, I'm picturing it's like you're running away from God, but there are like these like religious people who are like throwing stuff at you as you go practically. Yeah. Um, like now that you're back, like what does it look like for you to have healthy boundaries? Like to protect yourself. Yeah. I'm just curious. 
Sorry, this is a big like deep to have healthy boundaries. Yeah. So just recognizing, you know, instead of idolizing the church and the pastors and personalities that, you know, those 20 years really just helped me to go within uh-huh. and to, like, like, how do you persist in a faith that doesn't want you? Like, why am I still yeah. here? Why am I? And that part right there, like, why do I keep coming back? Yeah. And so I just, it, I just keep peeling away the layers. I keep coming back to God, uh-huh. not to people or institutions or I keep coming back to God. Yeah. And seeing God in people. Um, so those places where I wandered for 20 years, um, some of the most unseemly places, I've encountered God in people. Yeah. That's really beautiful. Mm. Um, is there a particular incident or situation these days where you feel like you're running away from God? And, or you know, there is. Um, so I've started dating again after 10 years of, um, you know, most, mostly celibacy and and that's been very challenging for me because the mm. world is a different place now. Mm. And so I've started dating and I just find that doing so is pulling me away from the foundation that I've had set up for those 10 years. And it's just been, um, I tend to idolize the individual or the relationship mm. instead. It takes the focus off of what I, mm. what I know is good for me. Mm. Yeah, and yet here you are and you're actually like talking about that and sharing so, this with a room full of people. Yeah, like, I mean, so strangers. I mean, like, <laughs> like, yeah, that's very vulnerable. This is not something I would do. Bill reached out to me at the last minute, and I'm like, okay, wow. But but but, there, but there's a sense in which obviously the relationship's not just like all completely evil. Like, no, I mean, there's, there's a lot of good things. And yeah, that's the right. Thing that keeps I mean, so there's all this good in it. And so and learning yet to discern and okay, yeah. you know, who am I? What are boundaries? Yeah. Yeah, Where's yeah. God in this? Yeah. This individual. So yeah, it's a lot to navigate. A lot to navigate. It's been good. Mm-hmm. It's been life giving for me, but at the same time, it's like. But some places you feel like it's really pulling you away. It has been. And, you, yeah. and you're intentionally turning away. Yeah. This is what I do every day. I, I understand. Welcome to the human condition, right? Yeah. Right? Yeah. yeah. It's like life is complicated. So um, would you thank Art for sharing? What a gift. That was fantastic. Thank you. Uh, Yeah, we're just, man, so real. And just, I mean, this is us, right? This is us. You can be on the journey, and it's actually not a smooth path. You know, I I don't have an image of it here, but sometimes you guys maybe have seen the picture of, like, a labyrinth, right? And then a lot of times when you're walking a labyrinth, a labyrinth is different from a maze because a maze is just kind of like there's dead ends and you kind of like you, you could go the wrong way, find yourself stuck, that sort of thing. A labyrinth, there's no, there's no wrong way. It's just that while you're traveling, you're going to think you're going one direction and then it's going to kind of like, you're going to go all these unexpected directions. It's not a straight path to the center of the labyrinth. That's what I was thinking about as Arturo was sharing. Like It's not a straight path the spiritual life, all of these twists and turns, how do we actually accept that? How do we live in the tension? That's a phrase that Bill and I were kicking around a lot this morning is, as we were thinking about the sermon, as we were thinking about all sorts of situations that we've, we've been in, that we've been talking about with people, how do we live in the tension of life being complicated? So I just want to offer one suggestion, again, based on this passage. It's the last verse that we read here, verse 3, that here's what Jonah does as things get complicated, as all of these complicated feelings start to bubble up inside of him. 
he gets up and he goes in the opposite direction. And he goes down to the port of Joppa and he found a ship and he bought a ticket and he went on board hoping to escape. All right, that was very intentional, right? That, what did you guys hear? There's a lot of movement, right? It's this incredibly active verse. Verb, 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 verb. No pause for thought. No time to sit in attention and breathe and consider. And just take a little space. It was all reaction. And so I wonder if there isn't an invitation in that for us. To wonder if sometimes what we might need it's actually a little bit of what Arturo was mo modeling for us this morning of this willingness to reflect. To just say like, this is the situation. I can name it. I can just name reality. And I can sit with it for a little bit. And that sometimes it's just taking that pause. It's the practice of the pause, whatever that looks like, that just creates a little bit of space for God to break in, for us to hear in a different way, for us to make a different decision. Jonah didn't give himself that pause, but maybe we could. Uh, I was thinking about a, a friend of mine, and you know, it's so easy to think like, you know, when we're, when we're doing something wrong, it's like the ways that like we're gonna hurt people, right? So, so maybe sometimes, oh my goodness, I'm sorry, that's probably me. I'm not gonna step so close to that speaker. Um, maybe sometimes some of you have heard like the idea of like you're really angry like write a letter and don't send it right you put it away or that email that you you wrote down in fury don't send it yet wait 24 hours Bill and I have had an agreement at times about like not responding to certain social media posts until a four-hour pause has been accomplished I agreed to what she told me to do <laughs> is, how, is how that worked You know, I remember, though, talking with a friend where we actually said, hey, what if actually your thing is not getting angry at people and yelling at them? What if it's the pause because sometimes we apologize too fast? Do you know apologies can be a way of running away, hiding, avoiding the conflict, avoiding your own self? It's not all about how we power up on people, right? It can also be how we power down. And we don't allow our full self to emerge and come into the relationship and speak our own truth, right? And let the person know how they've hurt us, actually. And so I've talked with people about the power of the pause before apologizing to say, hey, wow, thank you for sharing. I'd like to think about that for a while. And then not let yourself apologize. <gasps> it's kind of scary. Just sit in the tension for a little bit. How do we build in this ability to just stop? To let yourself be human and messy and bring all of that to God. And just have that little bit of opportunity to maybe make a better choice. A choice that will lead you towards wholeness. Lead you more in the direction you want to go. Our friend Serena, Serena Bakru, is going to come up and pray for us.